It is my pleasure to invite a respected theologian of the Orthodox Church, Father Nikolaos Ludovikos. He was born in Volos, Greece, where he studied psychology and education at the University of Athens, theology at the University of Thessaloniki, philosophy at the University of Sorbonne in Paris, philosophy and Roman Catholic theology at Catholic Institute of Paris, philosophy and Protestant theology at the University of Cambridge, England. He received a PhD in 1989 from the Theological Faculty of the Aristotle University of Thessaloniki. The introduction goes on and on, so I'm going to stop there because I'll take the whole program just with the introduction, Father. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, there are many things I know that you can share with us, but I'll ask you a few questions. In a paper that you wrote on the problem of evil, you made the connection to genetics. What about fascism? which means, which seems to be raising its ugly head around the world again. How do we make sense of that, Father? Okay, the West seems to discuss uh, the question of evil over the last um, 50 years at least. And um, this is an old, uh, now one of the papers I wrote in the past. And um, um, I think that the main question is where can we locate evil? Hmm. Um, the philosophers of the Enlightenment uh, somehow exalted human nature, the pure human nature, uh, against religion or against metaphysics. But um, then uh, a man like Rousseau met the sad. They discovered that also evil is part of this innocent nature. Then uh, they needed somehow to enhance this nature. Uh, fascism is um, a way of a social engine uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, which uh, wants to somehow enhance the imperfect human nature because now we discover that it is imperfect uh, and we have also some other uh, such engines like biotechnology for example or some sorts of therapy or psychoanalysis some sorts of psychoanalysis and in, in, uh, in this way we want to enhance this fallen nature which is not the innocent nature we discovered we thought we discovered in after the enlightenment and what 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 is uh, lacking here is the uh, the the sense of the, the sources the divine sources of nature and uh, the principle, divine principles, and perhaps the, the possibility of having this nature somehow enhanced by God Himself. <laughs> so in our secular age, uh, it seems that fascism is one of the engines that we have in order to enhance human nature. Yeah. And uh, you in America, you have others, you know, uh, a part of modern uh, films and movies, uh, you see. Uh, you see, for example, the Avengers. Some students of mine brought me the, yes. Yes. the seminary on, on, on superhuman and will to power yes. uh, last semester, and um, they brought me to this, to this, this movie, uh -huh. The Avengers. This is the same enhancement of this nature, not with God, uh, but with some um, biotechnology or some natural forces, the, the, the Jedi in the past, mm -hmm. Star Wars, it is a way of enhancing this pure, innocent nature, which is not so innocent that it's defected also. Mm -hmm. And we have somehow to create um, a superhuman being without God. Mm -hmm. 
and, and of course, this is uh, finally uh, the essence of the modern nihilism, because we we want to create this without uh, taking into account what the ancient Greeks, Greeks for example, take taking uh, taking into account. I mean that that nature is 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 logos and dictates something. And wants to be somehow uh, uh, wants to teach something. The, the answer tragedy is precisely this: we defend this logos, this balance, this uh, measure. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and why why do you think that is, Father? I mean, why do people today want to create the superhuman? Why is it why has it become so shallow? You know, on the internet, I'm sure you've seen it. When whenever you read something, they'll give you sort of a uh, just a uh, summary of what it is. And they said, to read more, you press here. But most people just read that little bit and they formulate their opinions. That's very frightening, isn't it? For centuries in the West, mm -hmm. nature was considered without grace. Uh. That was a, a certain understanding of Thomism, one of the brilliant Roman Catholic theologians, Dilly Buck, and not only him, uh, wrote a series of uh, very good books in order to show that this misunderstanding, this conception, of uh, human nature as it is, it's not possible. Hmm. Uh, but the, the, the matrix of that was a certain sort of theologizing or understanding uh, Christian theology, which is not, of course, the, the way Maximus the Confessor, for example, understood things, which is totally different. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this way, we have an alternative where, where when we read some of the fathers, of, say, the Greek fathers now, Maximus, for example, you know, to understand that nature is um, divine in itself, in the sense that there is a divine source of it, a logos, and nature represents a dialogue. A dialogue. There is a recipient, there is a, a God creates a, great, creates a selfhood outside him, creates a, a, a very uh, stable relationship, willing. Of, of loving will mm -hmm. between him and, 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 and creature, and thus he somehow uh, uh, somehow creation is co-created. Mm -hmm. We respond, and the mode of existence of this creature changes without losing its divine source, its, 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 its wisdom. Right. Its and, and you have now this sort of interconnection. I mean, you have the Orthodox Roman Catholics and Protestants moving to St. Maximus. Why, why is that, Father? Why do you think? Precisely because of such dim dimensions, these perspectives that are open mm -hmm. uh, through Maximus and by Maximus. Uh, I spoke of the dialogical nature before. Um, the, other, the other, perhaps, notion is the enunciant person, as I call it, person with essence. I mean, Beyond the mind-body division, eh, we can have a holistic understanding of human being. Hmm. Nature is uh, 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 unthinkable without the person, mm -hmm. and both without freedom, unthinkable. And that means that somehow uh, the human being in his wholeness can be true in God, can be transformed, can be uh, uh, somehow made eternal. Through, through grace, uh, we're far beyond this ego cogito, where the ego is a detached, somehow entity, mm -hmm. soul, 
modern cognitive science, neuroscience, not so much about this. That uh, we don't have today uh, this disembodied mind that we thought we had in the past. Mm -hmm. Ego cogito, we against or without body. Ego cogito, against or without community. Ego cogito, against or without tradition. This is why I, I like to say that um, for the West, Freud and Marx and Darwin are, are really precious, really invaluable, yeah. because Darwin reminds us that you're part of this nature, part is, nature is part of yours. And uh, uh, Marx taught the West that somehow um, uh, the, the community is part of his its subject's identity. Mm -hmm. Freud taught us that there's a dark basement below the reason and uh, uh, full full of, of instincts and conflicts. And you cannot ignore that because it somehow gives you uh, direction and you have to deal with this. We have to discuss with this. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, all this is, is anticipated in some anthropological uh, uh, teachings of doctrines of the past. I mentioned Father Maximus the Confessor, Simeon the New Theologian, or Gregory Palamas, where you see that uh, this holism is present, and you, for example, this is what Christian Askesis is, the Orthodox angle. You deal with your unconscious, mm -hmm. you deal with the, mean, with the other, you deal with, with nature, you cannot ignore them. and practice the ego cogito. Mm -hmm. I think, therefore, I am. No. Yeah? And, uh, of course, it's the will. The, the third notion, the, which is very important for all of us, the will. The will is very dangerous. What you will, what is the goal, the final goal? Heidegger wrote, you know, this two-volume work on Nietzsche, you know, to show that the will to power is the essence, the essence of Western metaphysics. Um, that means the will to be always more. Uh, this metaphysics of, of this extension or expansion, uh, which is true of itself, without any other justification, mm -hmm. you understand? Okay. Which is the essence of, the, of, of nihilism. So, if the will is something different, if it is the expression of the internal, the, the internal life of nature, if through will nature wants just to be fulfilled in the way God's will, God wills it, mm -hmm. through the community, through the body, through the unconscious, you know, that, that the, the will is transformed and becomes a will for unity. The, the, the issue of, of, as you bring up nihilism, okay, so this nihilism, this self-love, this self-promotion um, is a very shallow thing, obviously, and that, yes. th that shallowness does not even want to step into this arena with Saint Maximus because it realizes that everything that Maximus stands for and teaches annihilates nihilism. But the nihilism today seems, the nihilism seems to be taking over in Western culture at least uh, to the point where who cares about the past? Who cares about Maximus? Who cares about this one? And we're, we're sort of in an uncharted water. Does that make sense to you from, our, from my perspective? Yes, it is, and uh, the form that it took is narcissism. Narcissism. Narcissism is not the absence of relationship; it is the realization of relationship within me. Hmm. I call it as the self-referring subject. 
this has a, also a theological matrix. For example, if you read Thomas, you see that God is very willing, no, wills absolutely to get in communion with you. Mm-hmm. But speaking metaphysically, this communion takes place within him, you know. And in this way, it is real only on your part. Mm-hmm. For him, he does not make a, a real movement towards you. He loves you in himself. Mm-hmm. This is the matrix of narcissism. Mm-hmm. The, you use the other. This have very important resonances in psychoanalysis. You know that I started that from psychoanalysis. Yes. For example, Heinz Kohut, speaking for the self-referring uh, subject, he uses the, 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 the term self-object. Self-object means that you mean without hyphen, self-object, that's one word. That means that uh, you, you use the other for your narcissistic homeostasis, balance, you know as a narcissistic object of your self-affirmation. And what is the solution? There's no psychoanalytic solution. Psychoanalysts cannot overcome narcissism. This is the greatest problem for us, modern psychology. And they accept it. They say, let the other do the same to you. Make you a self-object in return. You understand how important is this? This, uh, uh, and, and this is, of course, is, is promoted through the modern culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, this somehow uh, self-enclosed uh, subject, which, which has as the only possible way of communication with the others, the, the constitutions. This is why in the West the constitution is so rigid, mm-hmm. so solid. Yes. Because it is perhaps the only way for me to get in contact with you. You owe me, I owe you. Right. Okay. Yeah. I give you, and you have to give to me. Mm-hmm. And this does not uh, need some kind, of, some a sort of personal relationship between us. Right. To to open myself, indeed, to give place to you in myself, to create what I call in the book that I published with your publishing house, the dialogical reciprocity. Right. Dialogical reciprocity on the theological a sense means that God gives you a. A, a, a place in his, in his, in his, in himself, mm-hmm. uh, and gives you a selfhood, yes, and allows you to talk as you are, as you want. That's very good, Father. Yeah, that's, that's it. Very good. You, that means that you have two agents, mm-hmm. not one, just one dictating his will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you see how philosophical, psychological, and theological problems are inter- interconnected in this sense. Okay. I have a, a few more questions for you, Father, but the one I want to ask, you, you may have answered part of it, but I think we should go a little deeper. Uh, what does St. Maximus's theology offer us that's a cornerstone of our faith? And how do we understand him in relation to both the modern and traditional Western theology and philosophy? You touched on this it a bit, needs, but let's go a little deeper. This, this needs an hour of talking, at least <laughs> not to okay. explain. Uh, I, I could say very, very briefly, okay. g- g- Maximus, not only Maximus, also other fathers. Mm-hmm. Maximus is someone, you know, Maximus is the key to understand the, the Greek patristic tradition. He's the greatest, perhaps, mm. if we can talk in this way, yes. all, great, all of them, but you know, he gives us the, the doctrine of uh, God in and for the world. Mm-hmm. How this is um, possible, you know. 
human beings and uh, theologians are very uh, eager to understand God as something, someone who dictates, uh, mm -hmm. someone who gives orders. But they do not understand incarnation, though we uh, have 2,000 years of Christianity. Because incarnation means that, in this perspective, uh, first of all, God gives everything that he has to you. And by giving everything that he has, he asks you to respond back. This happened through the Theotokos. She gave everything that she had. And God responded with everything that he had. Okay. Uh, this is perfectly described by, by Maximus in some of his passages, some very brilliant passages that he wrote, and uh, where he says precisely this, that it's the, the outcome of love, the final result of love, uh, precisely this, to give yourself wholly and, and desire to live the other's love, the other's life, the other's life. Uh, this is what God do, does. He lives our life. Mm -hmm. He lives as one of us. And he shows how he lives as a human being. So th this is described with you know, uh, all this. Uh, uh, if you want something about philosophy, let me tell you, uh, there's a book uh, with, that's published with, with, with Stock, which has the title Maximus as a European Philosopher. Mm -hmm. I wrote a, pa a part of the book. An, uh, an article of this book, which has the title Analogical Ecstasies. Mm -hmm. it, it compares Plotinus, understanding of ecstasies, Heidegger's uh, notion of ecstasies, Lacan's notion of this of Maximus. Yeah. And this is, the result is that we have a monological understanding of ecstasies in Plotinus. You know, the one does not desire us. We tend, we want, we tend to want, but there's no reply at no. all. We have the parallel ecstasies in Heidegger. The one, Heidegger is somehow a Christian. Eh? He had a Christian formation. Uh, the, the one being somehow tends towards us. We tend toward it, but we don't know if we meet. There are two parallel ecstasies, two parallel monologues. Mm -hmm. the, the philosopher who thinks about being is not sure that this being, that what he thinks is correct about. Eh? To parallel ecstasy. Right. We have, we have, we have also Lacan's uh, necessary ecstasies because you need the other in order to be recognized. So you do his uh, what he desires, this dialectical desire, mm -hmm. in order to give to give you an identity. Mm. And uh, you don't desire the other; you desire his desire for you <laughs> in this way. And we have in Maximus. The dialogical, this step-by-step step, analogical, because both parts take part in this, meeting of two, <laughs> where God is, creates a real relationship with you, and he listens to you. Mm -hmm. This is the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. We give and we take. We give everything we have and we take everything God has. And this dialogical reciprocity is unique. We don't have it in philosophy. We don't have it in psychoanalysis. If we, uh, you allow me, and perhaps in another discussion to talk, not as an, a former psychoanalyst, I could tell you what is the possible solution from a psychoanalytic perspective. But it's totally different. Here we have an opening, a 
real happening. I think that Orthodox theology and processing theology uh, and I can offer uh, par excellence this way of practical spirituality here and now. All right, and, and one more quick one. If there's one thing you hoped you could witness um, in your lifetime, what would that be, Padre? This is a difficult question. I could say simply that the world in Christ has been made already divine. This divine perfection that we see whenever we just uh, reduce our, you know, wild ambitions, our will to power, our will to conquer, or to dictate the other's existence, or if have our existence dictated by others, and fascism, and the evil, and all that. And we see, suddenly, this wonderful perfection. And we understand that it is already here. And then, man, without even understanding this, he becomes such step by step a saint, because he wants to remain faithful to this perfection, which is already here and now. And in this way, he changes out of love, because you can you can change out 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 of love only. Yes, you cannot change, you know, by dictation or through the law or through justice or through. First of all, you dictate because you are in love. And because you are a given love without being worthy of being a given love. And then you change and want to change and wants to please the one who loves you. And you understand that the, this, this, this one loves others also like you. You want, to, you want to please him. And then you change because you want to like to, to him to, to like you uh, as you like him. Yes. 